Well, it's uh, interesting all of the ways that uh, God is moving around the country, isn't it? And uh, that's just another one of the ways. And I don't know if uh, we were lucky or what, but um, I try to make sure I get it right. He's coming from, he's a pastor in Maine and uh, just happened to be in town for the Gideon uh, conference, the thing that they're doing. And uh, so he's here with us today, enjoying the Texas heat. He was very excited. It's nice and hot here. Take some of that back to, uh, to Maine. Belfast, correct? Belfast, yeah. So uh, serves on the district advisory board there. Just uh, really awesome that our paths were able to cross like this. Well, you guys, everybody doing good today? It's good to see all of you. It's good to be here with you. Um, I have to say that I'm maybe a little too excited about um, spiritual formation. I, I, all the things that we've been talking about, it's the series of messages that we're uh, currently involved in. But um, I know some people will talk about geeking out over something. I, I do about this a little bit. So I'll, I'll try not to um, bore you with too many things. But, you know, today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, individuality. Uh, individuality. You know, individuality is something that uh, we all want, right? I mean, I think we all are looking for ways that we can be individual, but it's like we fight for it and we fight against it. There's something deep inside of us that wants to express uh, our individuality, but we fight against that because when we do that, it kind of separates us from others and we're afraid we won't be accepted. So there's this battle inside of us. I remember when I was in fifth grade, um, of course, we grew up, we didn't have money. Um, really, as I'm older now and look back, we had, we really had no money. Like, I'm just uh, glad that we were able to eat and stuff, you know, we, we were poor. And at school, everybody was wearing capa shoes. Anybody remember capas? Some of you will remember that. It was a fad that lasted for about six months. Uh, in fifth grade, it felt like it was an eternity. It lasted the whole, you know, it was like a long time. But I can remember everybody, all my friends were running around wearing these Kapa shoes. And K-A-E-P-A, you can Google it. I don't think they make them. It didn't last very long. And it's also not a trend that has come back, if that tells you anything. Some trends are coming back. I don't know if you've noticed. Um, and this is why I, I know now why people keep clothes in their closet, because it's going to come back around. You know, the, the key is finding out when to wear it again. Like, like don't wear it too early and don't wear it too late or it shows your age. But if you wear it right in the sweet spot. So these Kappa shoes were, um, I remember they, they had two shoestrings, two laces. So there was the bottom half and the top half. So you had two bows on these shoes. It was, they were, anyway, they were cool. I liked them. But I wanted these shoes so badly because everybody else in fifth grade, I can so vividly remember this. Everybody else in fifth, I don't remember much about school uh, up until like last year, but I can remember this in fifth grade. And um, my parents, I was telling, I want some Kappa shoes. I want some. And of course, they were like, well, if everybody else jumped off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge too? How many heard that growing up? If everybody else jumped off a bridge, well, of course not. But everybody else is not jumping off a bridge. They're all wearing these shoes. And that's what I want. So, you know, I, I don't think in my heart I wanted to be like everybody else. I just wanted to fit in. And then fast forward to a time when we all started to explore what it meant to be different. 
How different could we be? Some of you remember those phases. How different can I be? Can, can I put one leg up on my sweatpants? You guys remember that trend? Like it just, and it's coming back, by the way. Um, just one leg up on my sweatpants and the other leg down. Or maybe I can wear different colored shoelaces or different colored shoes. If you're in uh, fifth grade, my son, 10 years old, he's going in, uh, 11, going to be 11 in sixth grade. But, um, you know, it's unmatching socks. I think that's just because... They don't want to take time to match the socks. I don't think it's because they're trying to be different. It's like, just what colors? And so I told, Cerise uh, and I have had this conversation, just buy all the same, like white. What's wrong? Just got white socks. But no, they have to have like black ones and red ones and gray ones and white ones. And they all have little designs on them. But, um, or maybe you would pierce your ear. And back in the day, it was pierce one ear. You know, just one. We just pierce one. Now they pierce two, sometimes um, multiples in each or get a tattoo or whatever. Like we wanted to, it came to this time, we wanted to express our individuality. Truth be known, we all have within ourselves a deep desire to be our own person. We just do. So we've been talking about spiritual formation and this process of being conformed to the image of Christ might sound counterintuitive because if we all are conformed into one single image, then what does that do for individuality? How can we explain what the New Testament writers, when they talked about the image of Christ, they were talking about the Fulfillment of the deepest dynamic of our being. The fulfillment of the deepest dynamic of our being. I want you to hear this. We were created to be compassionate persons. God made us. He made humanity. He made Adam and Eve and then us who followed to be compassionate people. People whose relationships are characterized by love and forgiveness. People whose lives bear the healing and liberating and transforming touch of Jesus Christ. That's who he created us to be. So when we talk about how he created us, he didn't create us and then say, I want you all to be the same. He said, I want you to find within yourself the thing, that, the, the person who I created you to be. We know that we were all created to have a life whose character is represented by love and grace. That's who he created us to be. You know, we are the only ones who can do what we can do. Right? Does that make sense? We are the only ones who can do what we can do. Sometimes we try to do things that are out of our character. Sometimes we try to do things that are different. Some, you know, and I'll just, uh, full transparency here. I am not great at remembering names. Like, I, I think, I know most of you in here, but I maybe wouldn't remember, and I'm sorry. Like, it's not like you're not important to me. I just, I don't know what happens. So I can know you for 20 years and forget your name. Like, it's, it's, if you're new, that's, don't get offended. Like, sometimes I forget my wife's name. You know, it's like, I, I'm trying to, to remember. And so she learned that early on about me. And uh, so there, there, there was, there have been times, and man, she's such a great helpmate to me. We were, we were 
praying around the altar and there was a, people were all gathered, not at this church, but people were all gathered around the altar. We're praying for them and we come up and I, all of a sudden, I can't remember anybody's name. Like they're at the altar and I can't remember a single person's name. And so I'm, I'm praying and she's with me. We're praying together and I'm like, oh God, would you just please be with this person, God, you've been there. Don't you laugh at me. Um, we've been, we've helped me with this person. And then I hear her in the background. Yes, God, would you please help Joe? He really, yes, God, it's Joe. So like she's calling the name out for me um, because I'm just not good at it. Now, I've tried to be good at it, but it's just not in my character. Does that make sense? Like we can't be who we weren't created to be. In other words, some of you have never forgotten a name in your life. And that's great. I need you in my life to help me. That's what makes the body the body of Christ, right? Because we're all helping each other. God has called us all. He has given us all different gifts. And he has set us apart to do his work. On the other hand, the world wants to squeeze us into the same mold. If they can make us all use the same type of deodorant or the same kind of hairspray or drive the same kind of car, we begin to fall into this mold that the world has for us. I want you to know it is only in Christ that you will find your individuality. It is only in Jesus that you will discover your true identity and who he has made you, set you apart, and called you to be. We become people who love and serve like Jesus did, but in our own unique way. So the scripture that we have today is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And if you have... Um, uh, your mobile device or phone, iPad, whatever handy, you can get the app, the church app, and find the notes for today's message in there. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Transformed, and this is the title today, transformed into his image, the imago Dei, Latin for the image of God. You, you probably have heard that word around. That's what we're talking about today. As a matter of fact, that's the title of today. We are being transformed. And this is pretty cool. Um, who with unveiled faces. There was a time in the Old Testament whenever God would come down. You guys remember Moses when he would meet God at Mount Sinai. And then he came down. The glory on his face was so much he would put a veil over his face. So... When Jesus came and, and he died on the cross and the Holy Spirit was unleashed, we have the ability now to meet with him face to face with unveiled faces. That's not even in today, but that's so cool. Unveiled faces. We get to contemplate the Lord's glory. And wasn't that a good teaching at prayer, the Yahweh? Breathing in, breathing out. I'll never think about breathing the same. Every time. All right, so just real quick, remember, we're talking about spiritual formation, which is the process of being conformed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. Kind of working through that. And God has called us this year to re-engage, re-engage as a church, re-engage with our community, uh, to re-engage with Him. And that's where spiritual formation comes in, because it is spiritual formation that helps shape us. We talked last time about 
the idea that spiritual formation is the process of being conformed. It's nothing that we can do. This DIY culture, do it yourself. We can't do it. We can't shape or form ourselves spiritually. We tend to control or try to everything in our lives, but we can't control the spiritual change within us. We can only accept the Holy Spirit and then He changes us. So today, I want to, really only two things. I want to talk first, is it, added on, is it added on or is it built in? Is it added on or is it built in? It seems that very often people have this strange idea that the image of Christ is something that God wants to add to your life. I mean, think about when you talk with people and if people know that you're a Christian and you have that conversation with them and you believe in Jesus and you follow him, a lot of times they think, well, he's added something to your life. He's added a weight of religion. He's added this thing. But I'm here to tell you that's not really it. The Imago Dei is not an add-on, but a restoration of God's original design for our lives. God created us to be a certain way. Scripture teaches that we were created in his image. And what we talked about last week, the process of being conformed, sometimes called sanctification, being sanctified, the process of being conformed, of, of the spiritual change that happens within us is being restored to the image that he made us. You see, sin has caused that image to be distorted. It's still there, but it's, it's all messed up. That's why we have the world that we have and lying and cheating and stealing. And but that's not the way he created us. He created us to be characterized by love and grace and compassion and mercy. So as we're being conformed into his image, we are being shaped into who he originally created us to be. I've quoted him a lot and probably will continue through this series. Robert Mulholland said, The image of Christ is the fulfillment of the deepest hungers of the human heart for wholeness. The deepest hungers of the human heart for wholeness. He has created us to be whole. The thing we want, and we can never quite put a finger on before we know him, is this desire to be restored into the image of the one in whom we were created. It's like, it's this thing that's built into us. We know innately that there's something more. Even people who don't believe in God know that there's something more. There's, and, but they look to other things for it, right? They look to the universe. They look to the, the planets. They look to nature. They look trying to fill that void with something because we know that it's there. There's a profound yearning in our spirit. Some people will say, I'm spiritual. They know that there's a, a spiritual gap. They're trying to fill it. The problem is they're filling it with all of the right things. This is the reason advertising works. You want to be satisfied? Try this toothpaste. Drive this car. Reshape your body to look like this. You want to be satisfied? This is what it looks like. That's so why advertising works. The image of Christ brings cleansing and healing and restoration. The image of Christ replaces resentment with forgiveness. It puts kindness in place of coldness. It puts openness in place of defensiveness 
It's a life lived in God, not in self. This is a return to the nature of our being. The nature. We talk about human nature, the pro and, and that's true. Human nature is sin nature, but really, human nature, what God intended was to be God's nature, right? But we always say, well, we're human. We are human. But God's saying, it's, it's no excuse, man. I created you in my image. This is a return to the nature of our being. All right, so in Ephesians chapter 1, this is good here. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us, oh, pay attention to this. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. He predestined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ. We were chosen. This scripture, it powerfully affirms the nature of our being. The word chose, and I want to get to this. The word chose translates as a compound Greek word. I have it here on the notes. If we can go, there we go. It's, the word chose is this Greek word, exalexado, right? Which is a compound word between ek and lego, two words compounded together, which means spoke forth, the easiest grammatical translation here is, is the word chose. But what they're saying is he spoke forth. Literally, every human being was spoke forth before the foundation of the world. Wow. I feel like I'm the only one. <laughs> like there should be some, what? This is crazy. In other words, I want you to know there was no surprise when you were conceived. There was no surprise when you were conceived. Somebody might have been surprised. <laughs> but the heavens weren't surprised. Because before you were conceived, you were spoken forth by the word of God. It's just, it's amazing. Take a minute and think about how liberating that is, especially for those whose conception was an accident or whose birth was unwanted. You were spoken forth before the creation of the world. I read the story of a woman whose uh, mother was a prostitute. She never knew who her dad was. And, and it messed her up. She went through life searching for her dad, looking for her dad. I, I, I need to know who my dad is. I want to know, like it got in her crawl, we would say in Texas, just got in her crawl. She was searching for her dad. She got married, had kids. It almost ruined her relationship with her husband. It, it was nearly destroying her family because she became obsessed with who her dad is. One day she testifies to at the, at the sink, she was doing dishes and she was just crying out. And she said, oh God, who is my father? 
And she heard a still small voice in her head that said, I am your father. She says that it was so real, she turned around to see who was behind her. She heard it that clearly. The voice said again, I am your father, and I have always been your father. She came to realize in that moment what God was talking about. No matter the circumstance of your conception, God spoke you, he spoke forth your being into existence before the world was created. But keep in mind, it's not just that he purposed us into being, but he purposed us into a particular kind of being. Okay, it's, it's one thing and it's amazing and I'm so glad that before the earth was created, he spoke me forth. That's amazing. But he didn't just speak me forth randomly. He spoke me forth into a particular kind of being. Scripture says we're to be holy and blameless. You remember that? Holy and blameless. Make it a little easier to understand. You were created to be whole in the nature of our, of our being and persons of integrity. Holy and blameless. Whole and a person of integrity. In other words, we find fulfillment in our being when we are like Christ. The thing that you've been searching for, the thing that people are chasing, the, the emptiness inside of them finds fulfillment when we become like Christ. The pursuit of wholeness or holiness, wholeness within our being. This is one of the reasons I love the way that our church teaches this idea of being sanctified as we are being restored into the image of Christ, we're be, it's, we call it being sanctified. We're, we're turning our life entirely and completely over to God. He is restoring us into his image and we are becoming more and more and more like the person that he created us to be. He didn't create you to be the fallen self that you find your, me too, I'm not, he didn't create us to be that fallen person that we find ourselves in sometimes. He created us to be whole and blameless and like him in a life characterized by love and grace and forgiveness and compassion. And this is what the kingdom of God is. Everywhere we go, whatever happens up there, we want to happen down here, we take it with us. And everywhere we go, we're inviting people to join that. Look, do you feel something different when you're in my presence? It's not because of me. It's because of the Holy Spirit. We were talking about this in the men's Bible study yesterday. It's we carry his kingdom everywhere we go. So when you're in my presence, the kingdom of God is touching you. And people, you, you've had people, I'm sure people have testified about you in this way. There's just something different when I'm with you. I've just noticed something different about you. I just feel different when I'm with, right? That's the kingdom of God that goes with us because of the Holy Spirit is transforming us into the image of Christ. It's also why if, if people are broken and dejected and feel like they don't belong, like we welcome them in. We're like, hey, that's where I started too. Come on in. That's why when people 
don't smell good, we're like, that's fine. We love you anyway, right? Like it, it just, because our lives are characterized by love and grace and forgiveness and compassion. It's amazing. All right, second thing is this. I, I call it points of unlikeness. All right, we all know something went wrong, right? Drastically wrong. Like it just, it just was, it was bad. <laughs> it only takes us to, a moment to see that God's plan for wholeness was wrecked by Adam and Eve. Although he did indeed predestine us, we have been spoken forth. And I, I want to say this too before I get into that. This idea of, can we put that scripture back on the screen real quick? The, the idea of being predestined. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. He predestined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ. What I don't read here is that some were chosen and some weren't. Or that some were predestined and some weren't. The way it's written, so we understand, everybody was chosen. Okay? Everybody was predestined. We were all given the same. He has predestined us all for adoption as his children. We're like children without parents looking for somebody to adopt us. He says, hey, I, I already chose you. All you have to do is accept me and you are mine. Right? That's, that's the spiritual adoption that he's talking about. He has already chosen everybody. Some choose him and some don't. But this point of unlikeness, the problem is, even though he predestined us, we fail to achieve his purpose for us. That's why Paul says in verse 5 of what we just read, he predestined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ in accordance to his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Even in our brokenness and bondage that hinder our growth in wholeness, he still wants us to be his children. He still wants, you know one of the hardest and listen, I'm on fire about this um, adoption and fostering. I mean, I think that we should all, we, and we deal with safe families here. It's, it's a way for us to get involved in the lives of children of families that just need the help. There are so many children that go unwanted. And you know who, the hardest are to adopt are special needs children. God sees all of us running around as having special needs and he says, I want you anyway. You are broken, but I'll take you. You are messed up, but you're mine. I mean, that's, just, that's amazing to me that we are, and not only that, but you were no accident. Before the world was created, I called you into being. I spoke you forth. You are mine, and I want you. How many people do we know that feel unwanted? God is involved with us in the most imprisoning bondage of our brokenness. The rub is that we feel uncomfortable, right? Unless we allow the uncomfortable in, we can't become like Christ. And this is why people avoid it. 
think about your own time with God. How much of it, your, your worship and your prayer and your Bible study, how, how much of those things are designed to affirm yourself or others or, or even to affirm God? Those are areas of our life that we're okay with and we're okay in. You might be great at prayer. I have friends who make lists and they have pages and pages of lists and they, man, they are great. They are gifted at prayer. That's not where God's trying to form you. You're good there. And this is again the work of being sanctified because as things are pointed out to us, then he begins to work in those areas. There's a spiritual confrontation. It's going to take place in areas of our lives that we are not yet conformed to his image. He's not going to look at you and say, oh, you're good here. Let's work on that. That's not what he says. He looks at you and he says, there's a problem here. And there comes a spiritual confrontation. And we're scared of that. Man, I'm going to have to change this or this is going to be altered or I have to give this up or the thing is he never asks you to give something up that leaves a void in your life. What he does is he asks you to give him everything and let him fill the void. He doesn't say hey give this up and we're going to leave an empty hole. He says let me have control. Our illusion that th is that these things are like a sweater. <laughs> we can simply take off, right? We have this idea like, man, for, I, and I can use this as an example. I've been on somewhat of a journey over the last year or so, and I've lost some weight. And I'm, I'm going to tell you that um, I have never stopped liking food. It just, it just hasn't happened. I'm waiting on that day to happen. I'm waiting on, I just don't want to. And in fact, I have a very unhealthy relationship with food because I want to eat all of it. That's, that's my problem. Just eat it all. <laughs> but that's not healthy for me. That's not good for me. It's not like a sweater that I can take off and be like, oh, there you go. It's gone. It's part of who I am. It's part of how I grew up. Growing up without any money, we finished all of the food on our plate, right? We don't have seconds. Everything that's there. And as, you know, we've gr I've gotten older and restaurants have bigger portions, I still finish all the food on my plate and what's on my kids' plate, and their desserts. The places with free sopapillas, everybody at the table wants one. You know, one of my kids will be like, I don't, yes, you do. You do. You want one? I'll eat it. <laughs> our brokenness is, our brokenness is us. It's like the pogo. Anybody remember pogo? I have a picture for you. We have met the enemy, and it is us. We have met the enemy, and it is us. This is what Jesus means when he speaks of losing yourself. In whatever area that has not been conformed to the image of Christ, it's not a thing to be lost. It's an essential part of who you are. So it takes some time and it takes some spiritual work. And we misunderstand this idea of the cross. Our cross isn't some cantankerous person that we have a hard time dealing with or an employer we can't get along with, even though we'll say that sometimes. Oh, that's my cross to bear. Right? Well, that part, that's just my cross to bear. Our cross is the point of unlikeness to the image of Christ. 
That's our cross. This is why we have to die to ourselves in order to be raised by God into wholeness right there at that point. It's, it's a spiritual confrontation that happens. Our point of unlikeness to him, he begins to work on. It's our cross to bear. We die to that part and then we're raised into wholeness right there at that point. The good thing about God is he doesn't say, hey, let's take care of all of these things all at once. He says, hey, we'll take care of this one. You don't even know about these others. Just live in your life. Then, then as you grow closer to him, you're like, oh, that's, yeah, we're good there. That point of unlikeness, I feel better about it. And then he'll say, hey, now we got another point. Let's work on this one. That's the process. That's what's happening, being restored. We say yes to God at each point of unlikeness. We give him permission to work because as much as we may want, he's not going to come in and force the change on you. We have to give him permission. If we are to be transformed into the image of Christ, we have to allow him to work in every area of our life. This is my last Muhalan. We were talking about this in the, it's not Muhala. You guys understand that, right? It's not a Hawaiian thing. This guy's name, Robert Muhalan. He's written several books. You should read them. When we respond to the confrontation of the Spirit at the point of our brokenness with a consecration that allows God to do the work God wants to do, we begin to experience the reality of being conformed to the image of of Christ. When we allow God to meet us at the place that we're not like him, then we begin to experience the reality of being conformed into his image in that area. That's what he wants. He wants to do it for us, but we have to allow him. We have to give him every area. So I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know spiritually what God's doing in you or with you, but I'm just going to ask you as we close, we're going to sing a song. Just spend some time in prayer and just begin to ask, God, what is it in me? In what way or in what place do you need to begin that work in me? Where am I unlike you? Because I want to be more like you. The craziest thing is the more we are restored into his image, the more whole we become, the less empty we become. God chose you before the world was created. So I just wonder this morning, will you choose God? Heavenly Father, this morning, I'm reminded of how amazing you are to all of us. I'm grateful for all that you have done in my life in being conformed in wholeness to your image. I, I just ask God that today you would continue. I believe you have really begun a work in so many here. Continue that work. And for those of us who haven't started that work, God, I pray that you would, Holy Spirit, speak to us Show us the ways that we're unlike you. We want to give those to you. 
we love you this morning and pray that you would help us to love others the way you have loved us. That we could be a conduit of your love and your grace. That when people meet me, they experience your kingdom. And it's in your kingdom that the poor and the marginalized are welcomed in. That love and grace combat, uh, abound. That compassion and forgiveness are the standard. That's what I'm taking with me everywhere I go. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray.